Welcome to Over in Smith, an HP Lovecraft podcast where we read an HP Lovecraft story in some chronological order, and we release an audiobook if it isn't too boring or racist. With me today is someone who, like, just needed to take a nap, it turns out. Uh, Faith. <laughs> I got too sweat, so I passed out. <laughs> I had to take a little nappy. <laughs> So I remember. Okay, so remember when I said I thought the thought the info dump scene was uh, longer. Yeah, um, I remembered this part perfectly fine. I remember <laughs> the solution of his problems was I don't know, just like lay down in a place where they can't see you for a little bit. <laughs> Turns out you can escape a lot easier. God for some damn! I wish that would fix my problems. Just lie down for a little bit. Yeah, like, I, like I'm exaggerating a little bit, like a little bit, but like not that much. But, but yeah, like the last, the last, uh, I will say that the last, well, the whole last chapter was really good, except for one sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, it was just, it was just uh, the unnamed protagonist. Uh, I hear. His name is something, you know, uh, White Guy McGee uh, name. Um, And he's escaping. It's at night. It ends at night. And it's real tense. And it's good. And it's actually really good action. Except for the time he describes someone just wearing some regular ass things a normal dude would wear. Yeah, it's just a guy in some pajamas, a coat, and a hat. Like... You don't need to describe that. He described the the scary dude in the priest and tiara thing. Yeah, right after, but but whatever. You know, oh, regular dudes, they're the real monsters. I understand now. Oh, you get it. oh you're well, an eco fascist. He did describe them as as fish people. Yeah, but still, like he was still it's wearing like, regular things. Don't describe yeah. the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it'd be like, oh, there's this, there's this big scary dog barking at you, and he's wearing a hot dog outfit. Like, <laughs> like, like it's gonna take the edge off of how scary it is, like a little he's wearing, bit. Yeah, this dog is chasing you down the street. Its maw snarls at you. Also, it's wearing a little raincoat and hat. <laughs> So it do- it doesn't get it doesn't get wet. <laughs> like I like it's just it just takes it out a little bit. He could have just described his like posture or something. Be like, ooh, he looked like his mom maybe fucked an Italian. The no! scariest thing. Anything <laughs> but that. Uh, but like. I don't know. Like, and, and I know, I I know, I'm harping on that one. It just really took the tension out of the it scene. It really, for me. Did, like, it was so <laughs> tense. The chase scene up until then was masterful. It was so tense. It was perfect. And then he's like, and then there was one wearing pajama pants and a hat. Oh, like, he uh, looked weird. Okay, cool. Don't describe him in a silly little he has a, He has a, uh, his hat is shaped weird. It's like, nope, already think about the pajama pants, buddy. <laughs> uh, 
this guy decided to put on some clothing before, and it was regular. Whoa! <laughs> he... <laughs> he made practical decisions about his clothing tonight. <laughs> Looks like he was wearing loafers meant to walk in. Whoa! <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> it's just... Uh, you know, I I focus on little details. You could probably tell. Um, and that really just oof, oof. Now that you know, t- taking a stress nap, I understand. I'm not going to make fun of him for that. No, uh, I get it. Same. Be like, whoa, that was spooky. Especially that one dressed in regular clothing, <laughs> just wearing some pants. The one that I felt that I had to single out. Out of a crowd of what sounded like hundreds. God. Oh, well, the big scary wolf was chasing me in the woods, snarling, and was wearing a birthday hat the entire time. <laughs> just, uh, oh, God. Its eyes seemed to glow red in the moonlight. The fucking birthday but, hat. But he was wearing little booties that lit up every time he took a step. <laughs> One of them was wearing Heelys. <laughs> oh, oh man, okay, whatever. But That's but yeah, so, so he took he took a nap. Well, he fainted, yeah. but so yeah, basically he ran away from the other people. He made it to like the edge of town to the rail yard kind of area, and then he ran into the not not the like fish people that are only part fish people, like the actual fish people fish people yeah and he was like and then uh took a nap yeah i also forgot to mention so at the beginning of this the whole reason he's going to arkham is to look up his genealogy or ancestry or something i really like i don't remember like the exact wording of the end and i really hope he has some insmith in him you know, like do some like uh like Crypt Creeper. I mean yeah. there. Just like it turns out you're one hundred percent fish person. <laughs> you straight up <laughs> came out of the sea. I don't know why you don't remember this. <laughs> the reason you why were... normal clothes are scary is because it'd be real restricting while swimming. You were like twelve when this happened. I don't know why you don't remember coming out of the ocean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was actually, like a whole thing for your birthday. <laughs> you said no, this is the best day of my life. I'm going to remember this forever. <laughs> it turns out it's that one Twilight Zone episode where, uh, except except he's not even the normal looking person in the world where everyone looks weird to them. Oh like, yeah, <laughs> he's just everyone else. He's been a fish person this entire time. Yeah, <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> he's just. <laughs> uh, like, what are you? What are you talking about? Humans have been dead for fifty aeons. <sighs> wait, oh uh, wait, wait. Why am I? I can edit this. Why do I always say wait? I can edit it. Humans have been dead for 50 aeons. Ah! And, uh, Terrifying. Yeah. Be like, Terrifying. what? I'm not human. Uh, and, and he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. I, I, I was 
not expecting that to be the one you picked. <laughs> also, also capitalism, also capitalism lost at that time. Okay, I just, I just realized I had to. We're having it fish people, all of us. (laughs) Yeah, it was like really obvious. (laughs) (laughs) We called you. Yeah, you were on you. Did you realize that? And be like, you're oh, sweet. <laughs> you're literally wearing a shirt with a hammer and sickle on it, buddy. <laughs> we all are. Yeah, <laughs> it turns out the Russians wore one war, war, one war, war one somehow, even though they're our allies. <laughs> we <laughs> somehow. <laughs> Oh, oh God! I just realized I should have done this one. Okay. Okay. Oh my God! Uh, The great thing about it is this is public domain, so we could release the whole book and just change like three paragraphs. Oh my God! I was gonna say (laughs) (laughs) Shadow Brain Smith, except it's not racist, and also has two scenes where he jerks off, and he's actually a communist. (laughs) (laughs) just at the very beginning that's the first line is boy i sure do love being a communist and never talk about it again (laughs) oh god (laughs) uh and we have a jerking off scene like when he's trying to go to sleep oh of course yeah one thousand percent because that's what you do when you don't have to clean the thing you just just you just jerk off you don't even worry about it (laughs) Are you, you know uncomfortable like in a hotel room? Just jerk off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Speaking of, uh, a really good segue. <laughs> the Shadow of Smith, Chapter 5. It was a gentle daylight rain that awakened me from my stupor in the brush-grown railway cut. And when I staggered, and when I staggered to the roadway ahead, I saw no trace of any prints in the fresh mud, and the fishy odor, too, was gone. Innsmith's ruined roofs and toppling steeples loomed up grayly towards the southeast. But not a living creature did I spy in all the desolate salt marshes around. My watch was still going and told me that the hour was past noon. Okay, here's the thing. Okay, I, I want to bag on this person a little bit more. So what happened was, okay, it was like what? Like, let's say it was three. Let's say it took him three hours to sneak around and do all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, an hour, because it said it was 2 p.m. when he started this. So he took a stress nap, basically, and slept for, what, nine hours? Uh Uh-huh. He just took a nap for nine hours, and then all of his problems were gone. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He took, took, like... Like so, basically, he did he did the dream thing where you're in an, a warehouse job and you create a nook for yourself where you take a nap in that nook and no one could find you and you just don't work all day. Yeah. You've, also, gentle sunlight. It's fucking heat of the day at this point. Yeah, you're, is the this dude point. is whatever side of this dude is pointing up is sunburned by now. Well, it we might not have white. been. 
Well, it might not have been because if he was to, like had enough cover where he can like sleep while a lot of people are looking for him. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Also, marshes tend to be a little bit more covered. Yeah, it would be funny though. Just wake up half of you sunburned. You're like, God <laughs> damn, what happened last night? <laughs> well, like an hour past noon. It's literally the hottest point of the day, my man. <laughs> that's not gentle sunlight that's just like sunlight beaming down on you trying to give you cancer time yeah of what i had been through was highly uncertain in my mind and i felt that something hideous lay in the background but i must get away from the evil shadowed insmith and accordingly i began to test my cramped of locomotion Despite weakness, hunger, horror, and bewilderment, I found myself after a time able to walk. So I slowly, so started slowly along the muddy road to rally. Before evening, I was in the village, getting a meal and, and providing myself with presentable clothes. I caught the night train to Arkham, and the next day talked long and earnestly with government officials there, a process I later repeated in Boston. With the main result of the colloquies, the public is now familiar. And I wish, for now, for normality's sake, there was nothing more to tell. Perhaps it is madness that is overtaking me. Yet perhaps a greater horror, or greater marvel, is reaching out. As may well be imagined, I gave up most of the four plain features of the rest of my Torah. The scenic, architectural, and antiquarian diversions which I had counted so heavily. Nor did I dare look for that piece of strange jewelry said to be in the Mesotonic University Museum. I did, however, improve my stay in Arkham by collecting more genealogical notes I long wished to possess. Very rough and hasty data, it is true, but capable of good use when... I might have time to collate and codify them. The curator of historical society there, Mr. E. Lantham Peabody, was very curious about assisting me and expressed unusual interest when I told him I was a grandson of Eliza Orne of Arkham, who was born in 1867 and had married James Williamson of Idaho at the age of 17. Of oh, Ohio. No. <clears throat> Of Ohio, not Idaho. Oh, oh I, I actually gave him a better place to be from. <laughs> <laughs> by, not by very much, though. <laughs> I, it's still better. I mean, at least at least people don't uh, hate it so much they want to actually leave the Earth. They, You either become an astronaut or a serial killer, and there is no in-between. <laughs> <clears throat> and Mary James Williamson of Idaho. Why do I want to keep on saying Idaho um, of Ohio at the age of 17? But it, I feel like what they're doing is they're going to set up like, you're actually a monster, because I don't remember this part <laughs> a lot, really. <laughs> so <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> it turns out Iowa is nothing but deep ones. I, I know it doesn't make sense. <laughs> Since you're not near like. You're not near, like, any water, and it's all corn. But anyways. <laughs> the Ohio River is nothing but deep ones. <laughs> they did say that they do swim up river sometimes. Perhaps. 
Oh. It seemed that the maternal uncle of mine had been there many years before on a quest much like my own, and that my grandmother's family was a topic of local curiosity. There had been, Mr. Peabody said, some considerable discussion about the marriage of her father, Benjamin Orne, just after the Civil War, since the ancestry, this ancestry of the bride was particularly puzzling. That bride was understood to have been an orphan, Marsh of New Hampshire, a cousin of the Essex country Marshes, but her education had been in France, and she knew very little of her family. A guardian had deposited funds in a Boston bank to maintain her and her French governess, but that guardian's name was unfamiliar to Arkham people, and in time he dropped out of sight, so that the governess assumed his role by court appointment. The Frenchwoman, now long dead, was very taciturn. There were those who said she could have told more than she did, but the most baffling thing was it inability of anyone to place the recorded parents of the young woman, Enoch and Lydia, Messerve Marsh, along the known families of New Hampshire. Perhaps many suggested she was the natural daughter of some Marsh of prominence. She certainly had the true Marsh eyes. Most of the puzzling was done after her early death, but took place at the birth of my grandmother, her only child. Having formed some disagreeable impressions connected with the name Marsh, I did not welcome the news that it belonged to my own ancestral tree, nor was I pleased by Mr. Peabody's suggestion that I had true Marsh eyes myself. However, I was grateful for the data which I knew would prove valuable, and took copious notes and lists of books, references regarding the well-documented Orne family. I went directly home to Toledo from Boston, and later spent a month at the Maumee recuperating from my ordeal. In September, I entered Oberlin for my final year, and from then until the next June, I was busy with studies and other wholesome activities. Reminded me of the bygone terror, only by occasion official visits from the government men and connections with the campaign which my pleas and evidence had started. Around the middle of July, just a year after the Innsmouth experience, I spent a week with my late mother's family in Cleveland, checking some of my new genealogical data with various notes, traditions, and bits of heirloom material in existence there, seeing what kind of connection chart I could construct. Yeah, he is part, he is part deep one. I'm, I'm, I think I predicted it too early. There's no way he's not part deep one, right? I'm not going to say anything because I know how this ends. I forgot how this ends, but he's definitely part deep one. I'm not going to say anything because I know how this ends and I don't want to ruin it for you. (laughs) (laughs) It's been forever since I... (laughs) The thing I remember most about this story is how it ends. (laughs) Like, the thing I remember the most is the chase scene. (laughs) <laughs> and it's been several years since I've read it. Understandable. <laughs> so. The chase scene is really good. <laughs> until we get to the pajama man. But up until then, great. Yeah, that one sentence that kind of took me out. At least it's at the very end of the chase scene. I did not exactly relish the task, for the atmosphere of the Williamson home had always depressed me. 
there was a strain of morbidity there. And my mother had never encouraged my visiting her parents as a child, though she always welcomed her father when he came to Toledo. My Arkham-born grandmother had seemed strange and almost terrified of me, and I do not think I grieved when she disappeared. I was eight years old then, and it was said that she wandered off in grief after the suicide of my uncle, Douglas, her eldest son. He had shot himself after a trip to New England, the same trip, no doubt, which had caused him to be recalled at the Arkham Historical Society. The uncle had resembled her, and I never liked him either. Something about the staring, unwinking expression of both of them had given me a vague, unaccountable easiness. My mother and Uncle Walter did not look like that. They were like their father, though poor little cousin Lawrence, Walter's son, had been an almost perfect duplicate of his grandmother before his condition took him to the permanent seclusion of of a sanitarium at Canton. I had not seen him in four years, but my uncle once implied that his state, both mental and physical, was very bad. This worry had been a major cause of his mother's death two years earlier. My grandfather and his widowed son, Walter, now comprised the Cleveland household, but the memory of older times hung thickly over it. I disliked the place and tried to get my researches done as quickly as possible. Williamson records and traditions were supplied in abundance by my grandfather, though for ore material, I had to depend on my uncle Walter, who put at my disposal the contents of his files, including notes, letters, cuttings, heirlooms, photographs, and miniatures. What miniatures? That sounds rad! Yeah, they had, like, really rad uh, tabletop games. Like, you know... Uh, like his his war, like his uh, army of forty k figures were like <laughs> magnificent. <laughs> he, uh, he the space wolves. God damn! <laughs> like I, I his his uh his son liked uh his son liked orcs a lot more, but he didn't get enough money to buy all the uh <laughs> buy all the stuff he wanted, so he had to kind of borrow his his father's uh, a lot. Yeah. I see. Understandable. They're expensive. But like pu- you, you should have seen the a- brushes uh, that he used. Like there's this like real fine line. One They're of them so was literally tiny. wearing a pinstriped armor. <laughs> his his brush was one hair. Just one. Like that that like he had a pinstripe army, which is just like him showing off, honestly. Honestly. <laughs> someone has to have made a pinstripe army that would just be showing off to everyone be like yeah I painted this and you pull out the pinstripe and it's perfect you're just like fuck you for having so much time yeah how fucking dare you it was going over the letters and pictures of the orange side that I began to acquire a kind of terror of my own ancestry as I have said my Grandmother and Uncle Douglas always disturbed me. Now, years later, after their passing, I gazed at their pictured face with a miserably heightened feeling of repulsion and alienation. I could not at first understand the change, but gradually a horrible sort of comparison 
began to obtrude itself on my unconscious mind, despite the steady refusal of my consciousness to omit even the least suspicion of it. It was clear that the typical expression of these faces now suggested something that had not suggested before. It was clear that the typical expressions of these faces now suggested something it had not suggested before. Something which would bring stark panic if I too openly thought of it. But the worst shock came when my uncle shooed me the orange jewelry in a downtown safe deposit vault. Some of the items were delicate and inspiring enough, but there was one box of strange old pieces descended from my mysterious great-grandmother, which my uncle was almost reluctant to produce. They were, he said, very, of very grotesque and almost repulsive design, and never to his knowledge been publicly worn, though my grandmother used to enjoy looking at them. Vague legends of bad luck clustered around them, and my great-grandmother's French governess had said they ought not to be worn in New England, though it'd be quite safe to wear them in Europe. As my uncle began slowly and grudgingly to unwrap the things, he urged me not to be shocked by the strangeness and hideousness of the designs. Artists and archaeologists who had been pronounced artists and archaeologists who had been had seen them produced the workmanship superlatively and exotically exquisite, though no one seemed to be able to define their exact material or assign them to any specific art tradition. There was two armlets, a tiara, and a kind of pictorial, the latter having a high relief of certain figures of almost unbearable extravagance. During the description, I kept a tight rein on my emotions, but my face must have betrayed my mounting fears. My uncle looked concerned and paused in his unwrapping to steady my countenance. I motioned for him to continue, which he did with renewed signs of reluctance. He seemed to expect some demonstration when the first piece, the tiara, had become visible, but I doubt if he expected quite what actually happened. I did not expect it either, for I thought I was thoroughly forewarned regarding what the jewelry turned out to be. What I did was to faint silently away, just as I had done in the briar-choked grill a year before. It had the Italian flag on it. I was part <laughs> Italian. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> no! No! Mamma mia! No! No! <laughs> I'm gonna go by my last ghoul. No, Tony. Rigatoni. I like that he just passes out in front of his uncle, <laughs> like in the middle. They're like at a bank, and he's just out flat. <laughs> no scream or anything. <clears throat> just, just a dead asleep on the floor. Yeah. Okay. Italian flag. Mario. Just <laughs> a picture. It was a picture of spaghetti and meatballs. <laughs> it, it was a golden tiara that looks like spaghetti and meatballs. 
Uh. <laughs> One of the armlets looks like a, a breadstick wrapped around your arm. From that day on my life, I'd been a nightmare of brooding and apprehension. Nor do I know how much is hideous truth and how much is madness. My great-grandmother had been a Marsh, of unknown source, who husband lived in Arkham. She did not, and did not old Zadok say, the daughter of Open Marsh, by a monstrous mother, was married to an Arkham man through a trick. What was it the ancient topper muttered about the likeness of my eyes to Captain Obed's? In Arkham, too, the curator had told me, I had true Marsh eyes. Was Oban Marsh my own great-great-grandfather? Who or what then was my great-great-grandmother? But perhaps this was all madness. Those whitish gold ornaments might easily been bought from some Innsmouth sailor by the father of my great-grandmother, whoever he was. And that look in the strange-eyed faces of my grandmother and self-slain Uncle might have been sheer fancy on my part. Sheer fancy, bolstered up by the Innsmouth shadow, which had so darkly colored my imagination. But why had my uncle killed himself after an ancestral quest in New England? Well, it's pre- he's probably like just real depressed, dude. Like, that normally is what happens. You yeah, know? he just doesn't want to be Italian. Yeah, he, he, he realized he realized he was... Uh, he was 50% Italian, and he was just he like, can't, I can't. He can't handle all those carbs. No. He just can't. <laughs> he has celiac disease, and they didn't know how to treat that. <laughs> Forever, he longs for the pasta. <laughs> he just couldn't live with it anymore. <laughs> for more than two years, I fought off these reflections with partial success. My uncle secured me a place in an insurance office, and I buried myself in routine as deeply as possible. In the winter of 1930 to 31, however, the dreams began. They're very sparse and insidious at first, but increased in frequency and vividness as the weeks went by. The great watery spaces opened out before me, and I seemed to wander through the titanic sunken port- porticos and labyrinths of weedy cyclopean walls with grotesque fishes as my companions. Then the other shapes began to appear, filling me with nameless horror as the moment I woke up. During the dreams, they did not horrify me at all. I was one with them, wearing their inhuman trappings, treading their aqueous ways, wearing their inhuman... What? No, I said that and praying monstrously at their evil sea-bottom temples. There was, there was much more than I can remember, and even what I did remember each morning would be enough to stamp me as a madman or genius if I ever dared write it down. Some frightful influence, I felt, was seeking gradually to drag me out of the sane world of the wholesome life into unnameable abysses of blackness and alienages. The process told heavily on me. My health and appearance grew steadily worse, till finally I was forced to give up my position and adopt the static, secluded life of an invalid. Some odd, nervous infliction had a grip on me, and I found myself at times almost unable to shut my eyes. 
It was then when I began to study the mirror, with mounting alarm. The slow ravages of disease were not pleasant to watch, but in my case there was something subtler, more puzzling, in the background. My father seemed to notice it too, for he began looking at me curiously and almost frightenedly. What was taking place in me? Could it be that I was coming to resemble my grandmother and uncle Douglas? One night I had a frightful dream which I met my grandmother under the sea. She lived in a phosphorescent palace of many terraces with gardens of strange leprous corals and grotesque brachiae effervescence, and welcomed me with warmth that may have been sardonic. She had changed as those who take to the water change. It told me that she had never died. Instead, she'd gone to a spot her dead son had learned about, and leapt into a realm whose wonders destined for him as well. He had spurn with a smoking pistol. This was my realm, too. I could not escape it. I would never die but would live with those who had lived since before man had ever walked the earth. I met, also, which had been her grandmother for 80,000 years. Fuck you, Lovecraft. Her name could have been Ethel. Okay. <laughs> uh, Priscilla. Helen. <laughs> Pathia, Pathia, yeah. Pathia had lived in Yahothali. And thither she had gone back after Obed Marsh was dead. Lathahali was not destroyed when the upper earthmen shot death into the sea. It was hurt, but not destroyed. The deep ones could never be destroyed, even though the paleogen magic of forgotten old ones might sometimes check them. For the present, they would rest, but some day, if they remembered, they would rise again for the tribute that great Cthulhu craved. It would be a city greater than Innsmouth's next time. They had planned to spread and brought up that which would help them. But now they must wait once more. For bringing the Upper Earthman's death, I must do a penance. But that would not be heavy. This was a dream in which I saw a Shogoth for the first time. In the sight set me awake, in a frenzy of screaming. That morning, the mirror definitely told me I acquired the Innsmouth look. So far, I had not shot myself as Uncle Douglas had. I had brought it automatic and almost took the steps, but certain dreams deterred me. The tense extremes of horror were lessened, and I felt queerly drawn towards the unknown sea depths instead of fearing them. I hear and do strange things in sleep and awake with a kind of exultation instead of terror. I do not believe I need to wait for the full change, as m most have waited. If I did, my father would probably shut me up in a sanitarium, as my poor little cousin is shut up. Stupendous and unheard of squalors await me below, and I shall seek them. I, Rally, I, Rally, Cthulhu, Fatagan. I, I. No, I shall not suit myself. I cannot be made to shoot myself. I shall plan my cousin's escape from that Canton madhouse. And together we shall go to Marvel Shadowed Innsmouth. We shall swim out to that brooding reef in the sea and dive down 
through the black abyss to the cyclopean and many-columned uh, Halithle, in that lair of the deep ones, we shall dwell amidst the wonder and glory forever. And that's it. Okay. Surprise! So. He was a deep one the whole time. Yeah, I think I think I just for some reason forgot about the ending, even though it makes the only sense in the world. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember the ending because <clears throat> a it was such a big plot twist, and b the movie Dagon has a similar plot twist. Spoiler alert! Should we watch uh, Dagon? Yes, <laughs> please. <laughs> it's it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Let, let's watch Dagon. Maybe we can do it like Sunday or something if you're free. Uh, we'll see. Okay, so okay, I have a couple things. Uh huh. First, uh, yeah, uh, I think that the only bad thing about this book is that one fucking sentence about, <laughs> about that guy just wearing pajamas. Yeah, yeah, that one sentence. Uh, but yeah, this is pretty good. Um, yep. Uh, okay, I feel like we could, I, I wanna, uh, before we go to, uh, HP Listcraft, uh-huh. I would like uh-huh. to pitch something to you. Okay. Okay, reimagining of, of Shadow of Rensmith, okay? Okay. YA novel. You <laughs> aged down. <laughs> you aged down the, the protagonist who has this strange calling to the sea. And I don't know, you'll do like some fucking Hunger Games shit. I don't know what they do for YA stuff now. Um, uh-huh. uh, and you turn this into like, uh, you turn this into like a positive thing for the person. Yes. <laughs> like, like maybe there's like uh, four things that people are, four personality things that they are, you know, like in Divergent or other YA stuff. <laughs> Don't know why I can only think of Divergent, you know, that wildly popular YA novel <laughs> series that everyone loves and thinks oh. about all the time. Yep. Yeah, that one. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but there's let's say there's four things uh, that are personality things like brave, like kind of sad, but like, you know, OK with it. But in a sexy way. <laughs> yeah. Sad in a sexy way. Smart. And like, you know, they're just kind of here. And they 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 are none of it. <laughs> they're just like and this uh rowing competition or something. I'm like <laughs> <laughs> They're in a boarding school too, just cause. <laughs> uh, I mean I don't know. I feel like you could I feel like if you're better if you had more YA brain, because I can only think of this as like a monster fucker thing, honestly. That's the only thing I'd be able to do right this as. Uh uh but but yeah, someone who reads more modern YA stuff uh, makes this into a make Shadow over and Smith into like a hero's journey. Thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. With lots, uh, lots of kissing fish people. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know what else. Uh, what else? Do you have anything else to say? Uh, not really. I feel like yeah, I I like it a lot. I've I've. Except for the pajama man, I have no complaints. Okay, if I was going to be like, nitpicky. I feel like this is paced so much better than his other stories, and I am so thankful for that. <laughs> yeah, like, it's one of the last ones that people talk about. Like, people kind of talk about Haunted in the Dark. Yeah. But, like, I don't really hear much about the other ones. 
But that doesn't mean they're not good. Like, most of the stuff we have on the top 20 is stuff people don't really talk about. Yeah. Um, but, like, but, but, yeah, um, I'm hoping the rest are paced really well. I know that, um, oof, I know that, um, the thing on the doorstep is paced really well. Yeah, I feel like he finally nailed it down. I feel like some of his stories just, like, drag ass, especially the longer ones. Um, which sometimes is fine, don't get me wrong, but for something like this, it was much better. Because, I mean, most of the story is this man running away from fish people. Which could have been solved by him just finding a nice place to take a nap. Yeah, apparently. Which, that's our know, lesson from this story. <laughs> as a person who's been taking a lot of depression naps to avoid the existential dread, uh, I approve. Yeah, good job. I took two depression naps today, which is not the most I've taken. <laughs> that was four. Four depression naps. God damn. I took a depression sleep the other day. Like, I woke up and I'm just like, man, everything sucks. I just slept again for like another eight hours. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't count that as a depression nap. You know, that's just me. <laughs> I feel like when it's over six hours, you're you've been asleep. Yeah, yeah. I slept for sixteen hours that day. God um, damn. Yeah, I know. I, I was like a cat. Like Dexter was just like, damn, you finally learning. <laughs> <laughs> now all you can do is yell at someone else to feed you and you're 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 right there. <laughs> You stare at a screen at things that move all day, and then you then you sleep. That's what yeah. he does. He stares at birds and goes to sleep. So. <laughs> that sounds like a good life. Not gonna lie. Which is why, which is why I think if I was an animal, I'd be like a fat cat. Yeah, and like I wouldn't, I would, I wouldn't jump, and not because I couldn't, just because I didn't want to. Yeah. Also, I'm very food motivated. Yeah, you don't need to burn those calories. Okay. Like much like much like most cats, I'm gonna be very shy and maybe not talk to you until you give me a lot of food. Once you give me a lot of food, I'm there. Best friends for like, life. Like, like really, I feel like I feel like if you wanted to me to join a cult, first give me give me hugs, maybe even little kisses on the forehead. I love little kisses on the forehead. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> some would say I'm a slut for little kisses on the forehead and like. <laughs> Oh my god, you poor! I know. You know, sometimes I like holding people's hands just because you know I like to figure out them. Oh my god, I'm a harlot, aren't I? (laughs) I was about to say harlot. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you 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 strumpet! Oh my goodness. (laughs) Yeah, a Jezebel, some would say. Like first, first that that'd be the one thing that'd be the first thing you would do. That's how you get me in, and then you would just like feed me a bunch of food, like food I like though. That's the thing. Ask me food I like. Uh, but like, and like you can get me in your cult. It can be called like literally called the cult where you have to like jump off this bridge when you've been with us for like thirty days. I'd be like, thirty days is a long time, right? <laughs> <laughs> I would help them workshop their name a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> we got a month to do this. We can figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't automatically die when you jump off a bridge. It's true. Thing. I've jumped off bridges before. You don't die automatically. Sometimes you hurt your legs and you want to die, but like oh, you don't. God. I'm not going to but- lie. One day I will be murdered over a Dairy Queen blizzard, and that's okay. <laughs> 
Yeah. I'll have died doing what I love. Uh, now, here's what I want to talk about, though. Okay. Actually, no, this this was a good one. This is why everyone likes it. Yeah, except except what... for the miscegenation thing. The miscegenation thing's not great. But honestly, all you have to do is take out, like, what? Like, 20? Or, like, maybe 20 sentences? And it turns into, like, a, a journey yeah, of self-discovery? Yeah, not a whole lot. This is honestly pretty subtle about the miscegenation part. Yeah, it's still definitely there, though. Uh, it's kinda like, the subtext is still there. Don't get me wrong. Oh, speaking of, I did do a slight edit of uh, uh, Beyond the Wall of Sleep that made it less classist, and I took out, like, I think 20 words. So, yep. like, that seems to be a lot of it. So he really likes to just slip things in. It's kind of like... <laughs> I, feel like I feel like also we're kind of spoiled with this uh, story because it's been so overt and everything else. Yeah. I'm so tired. Please stop. <laughs> HP. <laughs> like, like we, we could turn this into a non-miscegenation thing. Well, no, it's still oh. a miscegenation thing. It's still non-anti-miscegenation thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, is it white, geno- it, is it white make- genocide if, you're, if it's fish people? Yes, it is. Close enough. Close enough. I don't know. Uh, may- we could just make it about rich people instead. Let's make yeah. about the royal family and their inbreeding. That's a good one. Oh, th- so the uh, the video of uh, of now King Charles like just happening to be looking at someone when they have a like a little bit of a trip is coming up. And it's coming back out. Oh my god! <laughs> I I don't see. I haven't seen the edit where someone makes his eyes glow red and then the guy you know. <laughs> Dice, yes, but like oh I feel like it's God. out there somewhere. Also, uh, ripped all the people who had to wait months and months for uh, NHS um, appointments, and they were canceled. Yeah, great. Because, yeah, wonderful. Also, cool. ripped the people who had at- funerals on the same day planned for longer. Oh than- my God, you're <laughs> right. Jesus, Ugh, fucking monarchies. Uh, by the way, this is also gonna become. This is gonna be real old news by the time this comes out. But whatever, I don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah, we're uh, recording this about a week after the uh, Queen died. Yeah. Also, the one podcast I listen to that talks about like kind of up to date uh, British stuff uh, in like a negative light. Um, they took a break this week. Oh, uh, last week. Oh, damn! Like literally, they released an episode. And then they took a vacation for they took a vacation. So like the most one of the most important things for them to talk about. <laughs> they just could not do it live. <laughs> Timely. God they, damn it. I'm in their Discord group. I'd be like, well, this is a great time to take a vacation. <laughs> but but yeah. So uh let's do HP Listcraft. Um, let's do it. Do you need the link? Okay, this one's going up there. This one actually has good pacing. Um, a good story. Great plot twist at the end. Love it. Uh, I'm going to dock at a few points for having some like very obvious anti-miscegenation stuff, but then that kind of goes away by the end of the story. <laughs> Surprise, bitch. You've been miscegenated. <laughs> Mis- <laughs> miscegeny. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You were part Italian the whole time. No! So I like bread so much. <laughs> That's why you tan well. No! no! 
and uh, I will say also, it has a, it has a, like, it feels like it kind of deals a little bit with the themes of uh, the festival as well. Yes. Like yes. this ancestral pull to like this old New England town that has some strange shit happening to it. Yeah, and it will it will either kill you or uh, make you great. It's one or the other. Yeah. Uh, where are you putting this? I'm gonna be real honest. I like the festival more than this one, but maybe it's just because I I'm, I'm uh, picky. Would you say that it's better than Pikmin's model? Yeah. Okay. So b- between the festival and Pikmin's model, shadow of. I'll put the God. the in front of it. The shadow of. That's right. Uh, All right. Okay, wait, wait. Before before we before we go. Okay. Yeah, top twenty oh, I, I would g- say are all solid. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was gonna do you wanna go over do you wanna the- try to do you wanna tr- see if we wanna make any changes to this now that we've been we're close to the end? Now that we're at least the top twenty. Yeah, yeah, so for everybody else because they cannot see the thing we're looking at. Number one is currently Dagon. Then it's number two is color out of space. Three is Nyarl Lothotep. Number four is Call of Cthulhu. Five is Memory. Six is The White Ship. And number seven is The Statement of Randolph Carter. Number eight is Ex Oblivion. Number nine is The Silver Key. Ten is The Tree. Eleven is The Cats of Ulthar. Number twelve, From Beyond. Number thirteen, The Festival. Number fourteen is Shadow Over Innsmouth. Uh... Number 15 is the Pikmin's model. Number 16 is the Whisperer in the Darkness. Number 17 is the Picture in the House. 18 is the Dunwich Horror. 19 at the Mountains of Madness. And number 20 is Hypnos. So the last couple ones we have read have all made it into the top 20. Yeah, I like it doesn't feel out of place, but also I feel like some of them are ties. So maybe that's why. Yeah, I think. I there were quite a few of them where we were like, uh, is it better though? Eh, it's about the same quality. I like. I think uh, Dunwich Horror and Picture in the House were pretty close. Well, and- okay. So if, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, from from beyond the festival, Shadow Smith, Pikmin's model, The Whisper in the Darkness, Picture in the House, and Dunwich Horror, like all of those are basically ties. Yeah, because we because those are basically they do rising dread really well. They have a nice little you know fun twist at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Dagon and Color Out of Space are basically ties. Yeah, those ones that. are hard. Yeah. God damn, Color Out of Space is so good. <laughs> yeah. So I Dagon don't know. Was like, really, sometimes I remember like I'll be somewhere and I'll remember Color Out of Space and I'm like yes. That was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think one of the only ones that doesn't have any overt, like, badness to it. Yeah. Uh, like, the only part is that a bunch of scientists act kind of classist towards the main character. Or the farmer, where the meteor crashes. And then it quickly backfires on them, because the farmer was correct in saying that it was a meteor. <laughs> Like, they're like, oh, these country bumpkins, they don't know meteors, it's probably just a boulder, and then they show up, they're like, oh, fuck, well, it like, is a meteor. But, but like, <laughs> that's just, that's just kind of common, like, horror stuff, though. Yeah, and then like, they're like, they're like, these people don't understand the scientific process, like, we're gonna take some samples while the farmer is like, yo, that meteor's weird, okay, like, be careful, and then they take the samples 
to their lab and they disappear. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, I mean, I don't know. What else? What What else are we going to do? You have anything else to say? Not really. Like, honestly, this story is great. I feel like it. Yeah, it's one of his. I see why it's one of his best. Um, out of all of his long form ones, I think this this is all. Well, I mean, this is our second favorite. Color Out of Space is the only other one that takes precedence over it. Um, yeah, over out of his long his like novellas, this is the best one, and I I see I, why. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't really, I don't really think you could. You don't have, like I don't think you. You could trim like a couple of maybe like five sentences, but that's just because I'm picky. Yeah. Sometimes but my otherwise, brain latches on to stuff. I but. see why this was this was specifically published later on as its own novella, like in its own binding in a book all by itself. Yeah. And I see why, because it is really good. <laughs> yeah. So um I guess the next thing we're doing is Dagon. Yep, Dagon and then and then we start Dreams in the Witch House, which I'm excited for. Because if I remember correctly, it gets weird. And if I remember correctly, every time they say something is a failure, it actually turns out to be one of the better things. <laughs> it's, written, so. it's true. Those blurbs lie to us every time. Any, yeah. Also, anytime Weird Tales rejects something, we know it's going to be a good story. Yeah. This this book has a whole whole thing because apparently Lovecraft didn't like this book. Yeah, uh, and uh, and his friend just just like, hey, you know, I have like two manuscripts of that. I'd be so great if you would. I don't know. Let me see one of those. I'm gonna put it in Weird Tales. It's <laughs> surprise. And then and then it was rejected. <laughs> and then later on was uh, released. Um, yeah, closer to his death, actually. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. So I guess I'm gonna do the thing, and then we'll, we'll be done. Um, so this has been Shadowver and blah, 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 blah. this has been Over and Smith, and you are the irreplaceable. You are the irreplaceable gash of the fabric of reality. Your keening static cow is like no other. And if it faded from the abyss, the void that would remain would be unfillable, and the mansions of silence would forever fill with our lament. Bye. I can't Bye. How it is. To be forbidden from loving Cause when you walked into my life I could feel my life begin Like I was told